for tuning in to This Podcast is a Bad Idea, your one-stop shop for pop culture quirks. I'm Fru, he's Murph. Every episode we have a new selection of goodies to discuss on the agenda, and today's main topic is Kingdom Hearts. Entirely. So what's your podcast about? You're listening to... This is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. My neck popping didn't pop up on that. <laughs> It'll be funnier. Uh, so new year, fru year. Fru year. Fru me. 2023. 2023 just doesn't sound like an iconic year. Is that weird to like call out? No, because like 2020 sounded like it was going to be a banger and then the pandemic happened. Well, iconic doesn't always mean good. It could mean infamous. 2022, I think, is, like, pretty iconic sound. Like, I don't know. 2022 felt long. It felt so long compared to the two years before it. Yeah. Yeah. Last year was really weird. Yeah, last year was, like, a blur. Last year was, like, oh, it was, like, the insurrection, and then it was New Year's all of a sudden. (laughs) Was that last year? Yeah. Was that not 2021? Uh Oh my god, it was. See, that's what... I mean, 2021 was a blur. Yeah, 2021 was a blur, and then... I, 2022 was a blur, but it was a long blur. A very like, long like Will blur. Smith, Will Smith's slap was in 2022. <laughs> and it feels like it was already 10 years ago. Yeah. Maybe because it just didn't linger in the popular conscious. Yeah. Which I'm, which I'm for. I was so worried, like we were gonna get to the glo- Golden Globes and stuff, and there were gonna be like bits. Oh God. Sketches about it, but I'm glad we just like, well, that was a weird thing that happened. Let's move on. Can you imagine like a fake Amy Schumer orchestrated slap? I love that you specified Amy Schumer because she would. <laughs> exactly. It's like, um, did you follow like the the Game Awards? thing that happened i know the thing that happened at the end yeah and that's like that was such a weird moment and now i'm like have like terror in my heart that i'm gonna start seeing bits about that oh god you just know that every high school in the country has had some reference to that on some scale yeah, and luckily I haven't seen any of it so far. Me neither. I'm hoping, like, it, by next Game Awards, it's a buried memory and just, like, a weird thing that happened. That's all I ever want these things to be, just a weird thing that happens. Exactly. We don't need to We don't need to put light on it. Right. Uh, so what did you do for New Year's, Murph? I, I, I just stuck home. Actually, no, wait, no, I didn't. <laughs> I went to a Brandy Carlisle concert. <laughs> Was that the equivalent of you staying at home? It was just a chill time, you know. <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not a concert guy. I, I overstimulate and bore easily okay. in the same moments. Okay, I get that. But no, we had good seats and it was a good show, Um, even though I don't like, you know, my family was telling me like, oh, once she starts playing songs, you'll recognize who she is. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know any of these, but she's a nice lady. Oh. That's a nice family activity. She brought out Carrie Brownstein because we're in Portland. And Carrie Brownstein stood in the back and played the tambourine and then walked off stage. (laughs) Mish put a bird on it herself. Oh, man. That was a nice time. I had a nice, nice relaxing winter break. That's that's good. All things considered. That's good. Small Christmas. 
Um, and my we we spent what about you? Uh, New Year's Eve at the Natural History Museum in London, where they had their annual Jurassic party that they haven't had since the pandemic. Mm. So it was the grand return, and I got my info email two nights before, and it said explicitly, we encourage elaborate costumes, quote, elaborate costumes. And okay. when we got there, I did a double take because, of course, there's people in, like, inflatable T-Rex costumes. Yeah. But I look to the side, I'm like, this man's dressed as a Spartan. And then I look in the center of the dance floor, I'm like, is that Teddy Roosevelt? And then it hit me, I'm like, oh my god, they're night at the museum. <laughs> and there was two separate group costumes of night at the museum. Yeah. It was amazing. Mm. So it was just a bunch of, how did I explain it to my partner? I said, it's like, we're all kids having a grown-up dinosaur party. Where they even had the the uh, fake ranger, like the animal handler with the with the raptor puppet bundled mm-hmm. up in a blanket to look like a little baby. And he was like walking up to people and introducing him to his raptor baby. Aww. It was adorable. We went, there was musical bingo. Someone won a crock pot. Oh, it was a, a museum themed crock pot. Not even a museum themed crock, but just a practical oh. like th- this is like the kind of musical bingo where like people were winning Christmas chocolates. It was just a good time because like you got a free drink with admission and there was a cash bar. So everyone's just really jolly at mm-hmm. and the whole draw is that at the Natural History Museum right now, there's Dipl- Dippy the Diplodocus skeleton like the fossil but i don't think she's really a fossil i think she's like a ship of theseus fossil where like none of her is real but Uh she's very nostalgic for londoners and so like she has a whole room for her exhibition just dedicated to her and by the end of the night it had turned it like it's carpeted it's air conditioned it's dark and so by the end of the night everyone was like lying on the floor in the dippy room in their cocktail <laughs> attire chilling lying on the floor in the dippy room <laughs> is my favorite fallout boy lyric <laughs> it was it was a good time it was nice we i don't know i don't normally go to large trendy shindigs but it was um it was a good time being surrounded by people with there was a mario because uh-huh. yoshi so we had like an inflatable ride on uh. yoshi costume I see. And like his partner was Peach, and I very loudly heard another attendee ask him if he could speak Italian. <laughs> it was a moment. But um I did get to have a very um from what I've been told, a very British experience of a room full of millennials screaming Mr. Brightside. I that song has not left British Airwaves since it debuted. No, it hasn't. And that was where I was like, yes, this is the culture. I am one with the people. Is is England just where, like, theater kids go? We did. Like, is that it? <laughs> Their brand of theater kids. Is that the secret? We, we literally saw a West End show, and we saw the most theater kid show you could see on West End. And we saw the play that goes wrong. It's like the longest running show at this one West End theater we went to. But it was mm-hmm. it was super cute. You'd love it. It's very winky. Winky. Winky in the dippy room. <laughs> 
do you do you feel decompressed? I, I feel more or less. I feel more or less decompressed. I was just watching the uh, the Renfield trailer. Oh yes, I I posted that the other day and said, "Campy Nick Holt, my beloved." I think I figured out what Nick Holt's like thing is. What is that? He's very good at looking confused that people find him attractive. That there was a dad. In front of us on the plane on the way back. And I watched him watch Nick Holtz and L. Fanning's series, The Great. Yeah. And that's all he does. Yeah. <laughs> all he does as Peter is like, he's very confused. And so he's like the new Hugh Grant. Mm, I could see that. I could see like that. He's like the new Hugh Grant who was also confused that women found him blisteringly attractive. Yeah. But I don't think he's had his... He hasn't had his love actually yet. Or his um, Bridget Jones diary. Yes. Like he's the asshole. Right. Yeah. No, I'm waiting for that. He's always just the little freak. Yeah. I think him and Daniel Radcliffe probably get along. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel now I feel decompressed. And we're going to move on to the uh, the half show and tell. <laughs> um, just putting it up front. This is going to be a very lopsided episode because the main topic is going to be the bulk of the runtime. It's, it's going to be we'll get... the Murph showcase. Yes, this is a Murph, like, starring vehicle. <laughs> this is your love, actually. So, yeah, so much so that I haven't even done any prep work for these first two segments. I don't have a show and tell because I forgot to do one because I was prepping for the main topic all this time. Well, so well, Murph. So, fruit. yeah, show and tell me. Show and tell time. I have, um, I realized, um, I, I can, I can give more context on what exactly happened after this, but, um, walking around with one of our wonderful dear friends who was hosting us in London, I had a question when we got to Big Ben in the South Bank about mm. New Year's celebrations, because that's where their fireworks extravaganza is. And I had a question mm-hmm. that horrified him. <laughs> and so I found okay. a related article and i'm going to read it to you this is from december 31st 2014 it's from business insider and i'll put on my best news news voice the title's gonna the title's gonna uh spoil it so i'm gonna leave that so um here's the article the Pappas okay. family from came from Boston, prepared to watch the ball drop. They all wore ski clothes to fight the cold, and underneath they were equipped so that they wouldn't have to leave their place. Quote, we have Red Bull, energy shots, lots of snacks, water, playing cards. We're all wearing several layers, and we're all wearing diapers, said Chuck Pappas, a 56-year-old photographer who came to the crossroads of the world with his wife, their two daughters, and boyfriends at around 10.30 this morning. Many streets- You're gonna need those diapers if you're doing Red Bull shots. Many streets are going to be closed for the occasion, and officials said that people leaving their spots would have to stand in line again to enter the viewing areas. Quote, it was on our bucket list. It's like a challenge, said Diane Pappas, 56. Not far from the Pappas family, four college friends sitting on folding chairs said they drove from Atlanta, Georgia, and Jackson, Mississippi, mainly to see Taylor Swift, who is one of the artists set to perform tonight before the ball drops. We're very excited, says Tara Titchelberger, 23. 
But it's colder. These are not real names. But it's colder than we expected, said her friend Sarah Robertson. We're not used to the weather being this cold. It was 70 degrees last week in Jackson. The main takeaway was the diapers. What's the name of the hot girl in the sandlot? <laughs> Windy Peppercorn? That's up there with Tara Titchelberger. <laughs> I, so we, I, asked, I asked our friend, our dear host... If he thought that people in London also had to wear diapers to watch the fireworks at Big Ben. And he was mortified. He was aghast when I had to explain. No, because you wait in line and they let you in at 9 p.m. And the show starts at 10. And if you leave, then you have to get in line again. So people just wear adult diapers to New York City's Times Square fireworks event. I didn't know that. Oh, it's a thing. Oh, it's such a thing. Like, this article's from oh, 2014. The, like, these are, like... The Times Square diaper culture? Right? <laughs> like, this is just, like, a known, known, air quotes, tra- travel hack for surviving New Year's. Because only tourists, only tourists are going to do mm-hmm. Times Square New Year's Eve. This isn't a thing that locals yeah. do. <laughs> This is why we have TVs. This is why we have TVs. And so <laughs> I, and it made me wonder, like, there's hotels in Times Square. Like, uh, can't you access, if you have a room, is it that bad that you can't just, like, leave your friend and, like, go run mm-hmm. back to your room? Or is it, like, such a, you know, horrendous mob that you're just going to lose your place? <laughs> Too bad. Yeah, Piss yourself. You know, now that you bring it up, I guess I am wondering what the bathroom situation is. Exactly. Is it like a music music festival deal or? I have no idea. That's the thing that gets me because it's like I can already think that I don't care enough. Mm-hmm. I don't care enough to know because I know in my heart of hearts that that's not on my bucket list. Yeah, I. I Times Square. Need to do that. Yeah, Times Square. Once you've seen enough good fireworks, that's kind of it. And I feel like if you're in Times Square and the the buildings are already that high, that can't be a very great viewing place unless you're (laughs) just there for the music. Yeah, probably better to, like, see it out from, like, the bay or something, like, from Manhattan. Exactly. Or, like, from your hotel room, if you you happen Mm. to have a good hotel room. It just sounds like a nightmare. Absolutely. And so I got to um, educate more on some of our uh, proud American traditions. Did you tell them about pissy shitties? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. Was I supposed to? Well, I I mean, you're you're being an ambassador (laughs) to the American people. You got to teach them all about our, our traditions. Look, I was in culture shock because we went to a pub in Soho and a drunk There co- were werewolves. Right. And a drunk <laughs> a drunk college kid took my my almost empty cider off the table uh-huh. and walked off with it. And I was like, this isn't a fight that I'm ready to have. I'm not going to throw hands in a crowded pub <laughs> in Soho on my first night here. And so I look back two minutes later and the bartender has just walked around. He's rounded him up, sat him down at a table with a glass of water 
<laughs> and the kid's just cozying up and about to fall asleep. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe I'll have some travel stories in a few months. Uh, uh, in middle of March, my family's going to Ireland. <gasps> the motherland. To uh, con- connect, with our, connect with our roots. <laughs> That'll be good. That'll be really good. I know. It's my first time ever going uh, international. You know, I felt so stupid. The one thing I missed was ice. <laughs> like you, you missed the idea of, or you forgot the concept. You know, I missed just, the I... prevalence, the the insistence, huh. the insistence of ice, the assumption of ice. Well, you got that London fog. <laughs> but man, sometimes I just want an ice cube in my drink. Oh, I see. <laughs> And you can't order regular water. No, you can't. You can. I think that's changing. I think that is quickly ah. changing. There was, there was still water everywhere we went, <laughs> mm-hmm. but ice was a commodity where it's like you had to specifically order like an iced drink every single I can, time. I can get that. Sometimes I find sometimes I find restaurant ice annoying. And I can understand that. I can appreciate it. But by the end of our trip, I had a craving for ice. It was, it mm-hmm. was ridiculous. And, and an overabundance of water fountains. We have an overabundance of water fountains and I missed it so much that once we got to SeaTac, we made a beeline huh. for, an, for a water fountain. That I wouldn't have guessed, but okay. Yeah. We don't pay for public bathrooms and we have too many water fountains. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I guess we do have a leg up on the uh, people across the pond then. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're living on Disneyland rules. Speaking of, oh! speaking of, um, I think it's time to to get the ball rolling with the main topic. Let's drop the ball. Get on with it. So, I am I have been tasked with explaining the plot of Kingdom Hearts as a whole, as a as a franchise. To to me, who has only completed one game. Is it the first one? Yes. Okay, well... No, it's the fraction one. Oh. (laughs) No, Um, it's the first one. So, I don't... I know where to begin with the story, but I don't know where to begin with this topic. Because Kingdom Hearts having a complicated plot has always been something that, like, I never jived with. Uh, for, For... For context as my qualifications here i have beaten every kingdom hearts game three times <laughs> uh, once upon a time i had an idea of doing a series of video essays explaining the plot of kingdom hearts i have an antique murph video as proof yeah. of this and that's cold and buried on youtube uh <laughs> whoever can find it gets a golden ticket and i'm grandpa joe Be- you gotta wrestle it from my dead hands because i i am of the mind Kingdom Hearts did not get complicated until Kingdom Hearts 3D on the 3DS. Because that introduces a whole lot of, like, weird plot points and mechanics. But otherwise, like, I don't know. To me, it's just anime bullshit. And if you can comprehend that, then, like, I don't see what the problem is. (laughs) My partner asked if I had any predictions about the plot. 
of Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm a little intimidated because as a concept, it's so large and nebulous by now that I don't even know where to begin other than I guess if I were to make it, it would be that Kyrie is an all-knowing benevolent god. <laughs> okay, that's... Um, you know what? You're half right. Fuck. <laughs> look, look, I get it. I get that it's, like, easy to clown on Kingdom Hearts fans. Like, you know, I, I understand that you have found paradise in uh, finding something that allows you to dunk on anime fans and Disney adults. All right? But you... Do, but... Uh, but you... There's no respect. There's no <laughs> attempt to understand. I and I and I want to understand. You come to me and ask me to explain the plot and then get mad when I tell you things like this person is several people. <laughs> and part of it, a huge part of it is that there's 13 goddamn games. Of course the plot's long and complicated. It has 13 entries. <laughs> and you got to keep it interesting. And so when I get people who are, like, mad that Kingdom Hearts 3 isn't friendly to new players, I'm just like, do you do no research? Do you not, like, look ahead and be like, hey, will this game's plot be good for me? (laughs) I am looking at the outline you have sent me, and I feel like I need the Rosetta Stone to make heads or tails of what I'm looking at. Yeah, so I... uh, a lot of this summary is going to be off the cuff from me. I have a loose outline. Fru can confirm it's very loose. Uh, just so I don't forget certain details. Because I likely will in synopsizing 13 games. <laughs> okay. Yep, now, yep. I think what a lot of people who do like the Explain Kingdom Hearts thing is they get bogged down and what Kingdom Hearts is about, the story, and what people, like, what the appeal is. Right, you know? right. Uh, like, in my synopsis, I'm not going to mention that at one point, Goofy gets struck in the head with a rock, and everyone thinks he died. Because that's not an important plot point. Y- yeah! That's, yeah! That's just a thing that happens. I... <laughs> But if you, like, ask a Kingdom Hearts fan, they'll be like, oh, my God, that's one of the best moments in the series. That's, like, so, like, ironically and unironically, like, important to the tone. And also, you know, I'm about to explain a bunch of things. I can't make you, the listener, care about any of the plot points. And I think that's another thing is, like, I can explain the plot. I can't make you care about it. I'm I'm here with an open mind. I'm ready. I am I am Jake Sully. Give me give me the information. So this is my like what I think like the the Cliff Notes Kingdom Hearts outline is. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's start with let's start with one. All right. Yeah, we're gonna start with one. Let's start where it starts. Are we going chronologically in terms of timeline or chronologically in terms of release? We're going in release order because that's the that's the order the story was conceived in, and that's the best way to put it. Okay, <laughs> I'm scared and excited because there's a lot of there's a lot of jumping around in timeline. Oh boy! All right, so we're gonna start with Kingdom Hearts 
One, we open on a place called Destiny Islands with a trio of friends, Sora, Riku, Kairi. Uh, Sora is 13, Riku is 14, Kairi is 12. Kingdom Hearts fans, I repeat, Kairi is 12 in the first game. <laughs> Sora and Riku have lived there their entire lives, but Kairi just kind of washed up on shore one day 10 years ago. She has no memory of where she came from. So the three of them get this in their idea that they're going to like build a raft and sail out from the islands. And so she see was a where... baby? Yeah, when she was two. Y- yeah, so just a two-year-old washes up on the beach alive? Yeah, this, w- this won't count. Um, Fru, you have exactly seven questions and interjections Crap! you can make. Now, that doesn't count because I forgot to establish that. I forgot to remind you of that. Oh, man, I love arbitrary how... rules. <laughs> so at the end of each synopsis, I will ask you if you have a question. I'm going to be so good at this. So, uh, Sora, Riku, Kairi build a raft, and they're like, we're going to sail out, see if there's, like, other worlds out there, other, like, places beyond what we've known our whole lives. Now, the night before they plan to go, their world is attacked by these creatures of darkness called Heartless. Uh, Sora goes out to check to make sure the raft is okay. He comes across Riku. Riku's like, I think we can use the darkness to travel to other worlds. He blips out. Uh, Sora is enveloped in light, and he is granted a powerful weapon known as a Keyblade, which is like the weapon of the Chosen One, and it's able to help him defeat uh, the Heartless. He finds Kairi. Kairi also blips out. The entire world of Destiny Islands is destroyed. Sora wakes up in this place called Traverse Town, which is sort of like a pocket dimension, which gathers up people who have no world to go to. There he comes across inhabitants of a world called Hollow Bastion. These are all Final Fantasy characters. It's Leon from Final Fantasy VIII, Yuffie and Aerith from Final Fantasy VII, Sid from Final Fantasy as a franchise, because Sid is just a reoccurring Final Fantasy character. They say they are from a land called Hollow Bastion and were ruled over by a man named King Ansem the Wise. And King Ansem was doing research on the Heartless and the nature of darkness, so maybe he has some answers on what's going on. Sora also bumps into Donald Duck and Goofy Goof, who are from a world called Disney Castle. They are ruled over by King Mickey, who has gone missing because he is also investigating these attacks of darknesses and worlds being deleted. Sora agrees to team up with Donald and Goofy in an alliance of convenience so that he can look for Riku and Kairi and they can look for the king. So they set out and various and sundry adventures on Disney worlds occur. We learn that Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty is leading all the other Disney villains. She is in command of the Heartless, and she is instructing all the villains to seek out the keyholes to their worlds. Keyholes are basically like... They lead directly to the heart of the world. If the Heartless get to that, then the world is taken over by darkness. They're also looking for the seven princesses of heart. These are seven hearts of pure light. Uh, I guess I should say here, hearts in Kingdom Hearts is basically the soul. There you go. So those seven princesses of heart are Jasmine from Aladdin, Snow White from Snow White, Aurora from Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella from Cinderella, Snow White from Snow White, and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Uh, You may be wondering, why is Ariel not a princess of heart? The answer is too horny. Now, moving on. Sora runs into Riku again, but Riku immediately, like, pieces out because he's secretly working with Maleficent because she has tricked him into thinking that Sora has replaced him and Kairi with Donald and Goofy. He believes this. Also, she has Kairi's, like, comatose body as leverage and is telling him that if he learns how to use the darkness, he will be able to wake her up. Okay. Sora has a confrontation, like, he 
he and Donald and Goofy go to Hollow Bastion, which is Maleficent's stronghold right now, and uh, has a confrontation with Riku. Riku reveals that he was meant to have the Keyblade, but since he chose Darkness, it rebounded off him and went to Sora. Sora is the Neville Longbottom of this franchise. Oh, Okay, that's actually a helpful way of putting it. He and Riku have a fight. He wins. Riku flees deeper into the fortress where he comes across this brown-cloaked hermit who tells him he can unlock, like, the true darkness in Riku. And Riku agrees because he's tired of being shown up by Sora because he's supposed to be the alpha. Sora defeats Maleficent and has another fight with Riku wherein Riku reveals that uh, Kairi is the seventh princess of light. She is the princess of Hollow Bastion. That's where she's from. And that her sleeping heart has actually been with Sora this entire time. When it was taken by the darkness, it, like, hid inside him. So he, she's just been with him this whole time. He didn't know it. Sora realizes something's off with Riku, and Riku reveals that he has been possessed by Ansem the Wise, slash Ansem Seeker of Darkness, who fell deep, too deep into his research in darkness and was taken over by it. He's been the mastermind this entire time. And his plan is to have enough worlds fall to darkness and then use the seven princesses of heart to reveal the way to Kingdom Hearts, which is the heart of all worlds, which he thinks will give him everlasting darkness, because he thinks that darkness is the heart's true nature. Sora manages to beat Ansem slash Riku, who flees to where Kingdom Hearts is forming. He all, uh, Sora also uses his Keyblade on himself to free Kairi's trapped heart, waking her up, but the consequence is Sora becomes a heartless for a hot second. But don't worry, Kairi uses her princess powers to turn him back. <laughs> Sora, Donald, and Goofy travel to the end of the world, it's just called that, where Kingdom Hearts is, have a final fight with Ansem, and are able to defeat him because he opens the doors to Kingdom Hearts, but it's actually light, which destroys Ansem since he's a being of darkness. On the other side of the door uh, is actually... Okay, I gotta explain this. So the Kingdom Hearts in Kingdom Hearts 1 is not actually Kingdom Hearts. It's a fake Kingdom Hearts. Okay. And already by your expression, I can tell that this has gone offhand. <laughs> uh, you can kind of think of it... So the thing with the villain's plans across this is that they keep doing half measures to get Kingdom Hearts. Like, okay. there's only one true way to do it, but they keep thinking they have workarounds. So you can kind of think of this as, like, a half Kingdom Hearts. It's the heart of all worlds. Okay. Uh, this is just, a, like, a, a fake Kingdom Hearts, and on the other side of it, is it's sort of like a border between the world of light, where everything happens, and then the world of darkness, where the sword, where the, uh, uh, Heartless come from. And on the other side, Sora sees Riku and King Mickey. And King Mickey pulls out his own Keyblade because, of course, he has one. And they're able to close the doors and lock it from both sides. The consequence is that Riku and Mickey are stuck in the world of darkness. Sora has a final meeting with Kairi, and they separate because Sora needs to go find a way to free Mickey and Riku. Okay. Roll simple and clean by Utada. That's Kingdom Hearts 1. Do you have any questions? <laughs> I mean, I'm just listening to the song in my head now. My first question is, why does Goofy do the thing where I only need two HP, but he heals me anyway? Oh, why he uses the potion? <laughs> and why is Donald... No, 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 no. I don't want to waste another question. Oh, that's because you got to go into your uh, companion tactics settings and tell him <laughs> what uh, amount of health he should heal you on. Crap. Okay. Next is Maleficent actually... No, wait! <laughs> oh, no. Oh no. 
This is harder than I thought. We're going to move on to Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. This was released exclusive to the Game Boy, but then remade for the uh, HD collection that was released on the PS3, PS4, and PS5. So we're on... So we... This is an observation, not a question. We're on two out of 13 games. Yes. And how long... Hmm? No, it's not a question. It's not a question. I do not know how long elapsed between the first game and the second game. Chain of Memories picks up immediately where Kingdom Hearts 1 left off. Okay. (laughs) So Sora, Donald, and Goofy are looking for a way into the Realm of Darkness so that they can free Riku and Mickey. Uh, They are beckoned by a figure in a black cloak to this place called Castle Oblivion. The figure in the black cloak tells Sora that what he seeks is at the top floor. However, the more he traverses through Castle Oblivion, he will start to lose memories of his life. And Sora's like, I'll take that bet, and goes off with Donald and Goofy. We learn that Castle Oblivion is controlled by this group called Organization 13. Organization 13 are nobodies, which I will explain here. It's explained in Kingdom Hearts 2, but easier to explain here. When a powerful being has their heart taken, it leaves behind an empty shell that becomes like a self-aware being called a nobody. So, yes, the beings called Heartless are beings with no bodies, but they have hearts, and the beings called Nobodies have bodies, but no hearts. And Organization 13's goal is to find a way to reclaim their hearts. They are led in ranking order of their 13 members. Are you ready for it? Okay. Xemnas, Zigbar, Zaladin, Vexen, Xeus, Zexion. Because the X's are the key. Yes. Uh, Sykes, Axel... Demix, Luxord, Marluxia, Larxene, Roxas. Yeah. Now, Castle Oblivion is controlled by, like, the Organization 13 B-team. That's going to be, uh, it's led by Marluxia, who's number 11. He's very low on the totem pole. He's decided to go rogue and try and take control of the organization using Sora. See, the whole thing, he, he's the one that led Sora there, and his whole plan is basically to brainwash Sora into serving the organization and using him as a tool to take it over from within. And he can do that because he has this uh, little witch girl he's captured called Naminé. And Naminé has power over people's memories. So as Sora's going through Castle Oblivion, she's deleting memories and kind of putting in new ones where she is the most important thing in his life. And telling him that, like, she's held captive at the top and he needs to come rescue her. Okay, I started this one and didn't finish it. This is making a lot more sense. Yeah, a lot of people skipped over this because it was exclusive to the Game Boy. Meanwhile, Vexen, number four in the organization, he's like the scientist, and within Castle Oblivion, he's been working on this program called the Replica Program, where he basically makes, like, fake people. And to prove the result of his research, he makes, like, a clone of Riku, who will henceforth be known as Repliku. (laughs) Okay, okay, the the outline's making more sense. To test Repliku, he sends him against Sora. Sora beats Repliku, who goes off to Sulk. Meanwhile, Sora's just growing more aggravated because the brainwashing is starting to take effect. He starts, like, fighting with Donald and Goofy because he's like, I need to rescue Naminé. She's the most important person in my life. Ah, the angst. Doing so, he kills off uh, Larkseen and uh, and Vexen. Like, it's actual murder. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, like, he unalives them, whatever you want to say. Okay. He also runs into the organization's assassin, number eight, Axel. 
And Axel reveals that he actually knows Marluxia's plan, and he has been sent by the higher-ups to basically delete the entire Castle Oblivion team. So he helps him take out Vexen, and he also later takes out uh, Zexion. Okay. A lot of these characters don't matter because they're only existing in this game, except for Vexen. He does some stuff in Kingdom Hearts 3. I won't touch on it because he does not matter. Okay. Axel also lets Naminé free, and she goes to Sora and explains the whole deal says, like, I fucked up big time, I was so lonely, I did what he wanted. She also mind-wipes Repliku, like, she does a mind-crush on him. Okay. Uh, which just messes him completely up, he goes into the castle basements. Okay. Sora has a final confrontation with Marluxia, defeats him, and Naminé gives him an ultimatum. She's like, I can undo the damage I did to your mind, but it's gonna take a whole year to do. And also, you will forget everything that happened in Castle Oblivion. That's just the consequence. You're not going to remember me. You're not going to remember the organization. You're not going to remember any of this. And Sora accepts that because he wants his real memories back. Okay. So Naminé puts him, Donald and Goofy, in the pod and he goes into sleep. Meanwhile, Riku has been going on his own adventure this whole time. Mickey was able to free him and himself from the realm of darkness and they wind up in castle oblivion's basement riku's whole quest uh he's also told if you reach the top of castle oblivion they'll give you what you want and what he wants is to finally seal away ansem's like hold over him because he can still feel the seeker of darkness within him okay so he goes up through the basement levels he has a run-in with lexius who's like the powerhouse of the organization uh he's able to defeat him by giving into the darkness which is not what he wants. He also ha- he also runs in with Repliku, who's like, I'm gonna repl- I'm gonna take your place and become the real Riku. It's a very like shadow and sonic confrontation. I'll I'll show you who the real faker is. He manages to beat Repliku, but gives him like a nice death because he has sympathy. Okay, Be- because he has a heart still. <laughs> yes, he reaches the top of Castle Oblivion and comes across this man named Diz. And Diz is like, I want you to be my sword in helping destroy the organization. And to help you with that, I'm going to give you these black cloaks. Um, I'm going to explain the black cloaks here because they're reoccurring throughout the franchise and they really throw people for a loop because they never played this game. Okay. Uh, The black cloaks are just special cloaks that hide your presence. They make it impossible for you to track. That's it. That's the extent of what they do. There's nothing else special about the black cloaks. (laughs) But Mickey also has one. Yeah, so because he's also, like, going, like, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit to help Riku. I'm uh, getting there. I'm getting there. Okay, okay. So, Naminé offers Riku a similar deal because he he gets to the roof just as, like, Sora is put in the pod. So, he gets there, like, right after Marluxia is defeated and everything. Okay. And Naminé is like, hey, Riku, I can help you seal away Ansem forever by deleting the memories you have of when you were a bad dude. Okay. And Riku's like, no, I'm going to take the uh, the harder way out and actually do some self-care and fight it my own way. Ooh. Also, I'm, I need to watch over Sora while he sleeps and make sure that he's protected. So, like, Naminé, Mickey, Riku, and Diz form, like, the Sora protection team. And okay. they do that for a year. A whole year. Yeah. Roll simple and clean by Utada. That's Chain of Memories. Okay. Any questions? I never remember. Was this the one with the um with the card game mechanic? Yeah. Okay. That's why I stopped playing it. <laughs> 
What's next? What's next? You have five questions remaining. Oh, God. Okay. Kingdom Hearts 2, we're going to open up on a boy named Roxas. Uh, Roxas used to work for the organization. He did uh, but he doesn't remember it. I'm re- I'm going to explain this all now, but it's revealed later. Roxas is Sora's nobody from that hot minute where he was a heartless in Kingdom Hearts 1. Okay. But he has no memory of that. Like, that's the thing about nobodies. They don't really remember their old lives. Okay. But Roxas was captured by Riku. Like, he left the organization... And he was captured by Riku and thrown in a sort of, like, matrix of this world called Twilight Town, where he's friends with these kids, Hayner, Pence, and Olette. And the whole idea is, is that Diz is holding Roxas captive until he can merge back with Sora, because he's the final piece. He has a few memories Sora does not have. Okay, okay. While in Twilight Town, the organization finally, like, tracks down where Roxas is, and they send Axel to deal with him. The issue is, Axel and Roxas were, like, best friends in the organization. They have a little fight, wherein Roxas whips out two Keyblades. That will be explained later, don't worry about it. Okay, because I thought, like, there, there was, like, one Keyblade for every person. No, no, Ro- Roxas has two. Okay. Uh, Roxas also has, like, a chat with Naminé, where she's like, hey, sorry, this is the way it has to be. Diz tricks Roxas into opening the pod and fusing with Sora, basically removing him from existence. Okay. Uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy wake up to Naminé's promise. They don't have any memory of what happened. Oh, I should say this here. Uh, Jiminy Cricket's also with them the entire time. He just writes down everything that happens in a journal. This is only important for one game. But, like, that's not what a conscience does. But he is a writer, I guess. Sora, Donald, and Goofy have no memory of what happened in Chain of Memories. All they know is that they gotta find what happened to Riku and King Mickey. Uh, They actually run into King Mickey, and he's like, Oh, we're all right! You need to uh, figure out this thing called Organization 13, though. And he sends them to meet with Master Yin Sid. Yin Sid is the wizard from a Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's the guy that trained Mickey to be a Keyblade wielder. You have a good Mickey impersonation. Thank you. And Yin Sid explains what nobodies are. He explains what the organization is. He gives Sora some new duds. Is like, go out there, find out what their plan is. Okay. And Sora does. Misadventures on Disney World's happen. He returns to Hollow Bastion with the Final Fantasy crew. Uh, they figure out that Hollow Bastion used to be a place called Radiant Garden. Don't worry about it. Okay. He also has a run-in briefly with the organization, particularly a guy named Zigbar, who's the number two in the organization. He's not the second in command, but he is like like the the number two to Zemnis, who is the leader. Right. You did say that name earlier. Yes. He has an eye patch and he says as if a lot. Don't worry about awesome. it. Awesome. What happens next, dear listener, is Kyrie this whole time has been on Destiny Islands kind of waiting for, for her boys to come home. Uh, she's kidnapped by Axel. Okay, I guess. <laughs> okay, so they learn that what the organization is doing is that when a Keyblade wielder destroys a Heartless, it frees the heart. But they've been redirecting all those hearts to a sort of like artificial Kingdom Hearts that they're making. The idea okay. being that once it's complete, it will give them back their hearts. They are willfully infesting worlds with Heartless so that Sora will go there and solve the problems and destroy the Heartless, free the hearts, and then they collect them. So it's a sort of like, by fixing problems, I'm making the problem worse deal. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. They reveal that they have kidnapped Kyrie to sort of have leverage over him, and he goes to uh, their base in the world that never was. That's the name of it. 
Along the way, he he and Axel team up for a fight, and Axel protects him because Sora reminds him of Roxas. But Axel dies. Okay. So everybody reconvenes in the world that never was, the organization's base. Uh, at this point, Sora's already taken out like a few of the lower-level members, like about five or so remain. He takes out Zigbar, he takes out Demix, he takes out Luxord. Uh, Kairi is freed by Namine, and the two are later uh, rescued by uh, Riku who has his own Keyblade now, and he also gives Kyrie a Keyblade, because he can just do that, I guess. Oh, okay. Diz reveals that he is the real Ansem the Wise, and the Ansem they fought in the previous in Kingdom Hearts 1 was actually his apprentice named Xehanort. I know that name. And Xehanort was his apprentice, who removed him from the picture and took over his name and research. And that Xemnas the leader of the organization, is Xehanort's nobody. And that Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, in the previous game, is his Heartless. Okay. Yep, roll with it. Okay. I'm just letting it, I'm just letting it happen. And so all this time, uh, Ansem the Wise has been uh, preparing like his, his revenge. He's been thirsty for revenge. He has built a device that will destroy the true Kingdom Hearts, or the fake Kingdom Hearts. Okay. He uses it, and it works, and they have a fight with Zemnis, and they win, and play Sanctuary by Utada. That's Kingdom Hearts 2. And you would okay. Do you have any questions? You have five questions, and you have used two on the first two games. Mm, no, I don't. Mm, no, I don't. Okay. No, they'll, maybe they'll be answered later. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of them. It's mostly about mechanics. I have so many world-building questions. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to Birth by Sleep. Uh, it's originally exclusive to the PSP. Was, again, also remade for the PS3, PS4, PS5 as part of the collections. Again, it's super easy to get into the games these days. You just need to buy the collection for, like, 20 bucks on the PS4. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, this takes place 10 years before the events of Kingdom Hearts 1. Okay. In the Land of Departure, which is sort of like a monastery for Keyblade wielders, it is watched over by Master Ericus, who is voiced by Mark Hamill. Ooh. He trains three Keyblade wielders. We call them the Wayfinder Trio. They are Aqua, Terra, and Ventus. Ventus looks by like Roxas. Don't worry about it. I know those names. Ventus, I think, is like 12. I don't think he has a can canonical age for reasons. But Aqua and Terra are 18, and they are preparing to take their Mark of Mastery exam, which is like the final step of their training. It will denote them masters and give them special privileges within Keyblade wielding circles. Okay. At this point, the Keyblade is no longer the weapon of the Chosen One. It's just the Chosen Ones, plural. <sighs> okay. Okay. That, that does answer one. So... Uh, to help oversee the exam, Ericus has invited his dear old friend who he trained with, Master Xehanort, to come watch. Okay. And Xehanort's like this old man voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Awesome. Uh, Aqua passes the test with flying colors, but Terra fails because he tried to use darkness to give him leverage. I'm going to take a sip of Aqua right now. <laughs> Doesn't sound exactly child safe. So, just then, well, Xehanort pieces out because he's like, I've seen what I've needed to see. Right. But just then, Ericus gets a message from Master Yen Sid, who's like, hey, uh, there's kind of chaos going on in a few worlds. These things called Unversed are popping up. And what Unversed are, 
are fledgling emotions made manifest. So they are like embodiments of happiness, sadness. It's inside out, but they're evil. All right. Okay. And they're just causing chaos. And they don't know, and no one knows where they're coming from. So Yin said, like, can you send your students out to figure out what's going on? So Erica sends out Aqua and Terra, being like, hey, Terra, this could be like a chance to redeem yourself. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Ventus goes to his room and encounters this masked motherfucker named Venetus. And Venetus is a huge asshole, and he's like, next time you see your friends again, it's they're not going to be the same. Terra's not going to be the same person. Aqua's going to try to kill you. This is your last moment of happiness. And Terra's, and Ventus is like, no, it can't be, and it chases after them against Ericus's wishes. Uh, the three of them get separated, and they all go on their own adventures. Birth by Sleep has like three different campaigns for each character. Oh my god. Terra's campaign is that he gets tricked by every single Disney villain because he's an idiot. <laughs> um, at one point, he is called uh, to the world of Radiant Garden by Master Xehanort because he has been captured by this bounty hunter named Brag, who has an eye patch and says as if. Awesome. Right. And so... Terra fights Bragg and actually taps into the darkness to defeat him. Ooh. And Xehanort's like, hey, you know, if, if I was uh, your master, I wouldn't have failed you for using darkness. I think darkness is a good thing. And Terra's like, huh, re really? Is that so? Oh, no. Um, Ventus's story is he learns his origins and that he used to be Xehanort's uh, student. Ooh. Well, that's interesting. And Xehanort, Xehanort's overall plan, Xehanort's our villain for the rest of the franchise, so I'm just going to explain his plan here. Right, right. Xehanort believes that the world needs balance between good and evil. Like a lot of these villains do. But he thinks a lot of people's light is actually like like fake light. Like people only do good things for selfish reasons. Like they're, okay, like they're lying. Yeah. And so his idea is, is to summon kingdom hearts and reboot the universe because that's kind of one of the things kingdom hearts can do which will create balance yes and so it's said that kingdom hearts will only appear when the keyblade appears now it's not keyblade like we know it it's the greek letter key or kai for all intents and purposes we're going to call it the x blade because that's what like the letter Kyrie. looks like yes i don't know i'm just drawing conclusions oh yeah i forgot to say this in the kingdom hearts 2 synopsis nomine is Kyrie's nobody okay and so the legend foretells that the X-Blade will only appear when 13 beings of darkness and 7 beings of light clash. And that will form the X-Blade, which will then have the power to reveal the path to Kingdom Hearts. But Xehanort thinks he has a workaround of just having a being of pure light and pure darkness clash. And so he takes his student Ventus and splits his fucking soul in half. Which is incredible, considering that he had the actual instructions in front of him the whole time. Yeah, and that's that's what I said earlier. He keeps trying to find workarounds yeah. to getting to Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> and so the dark half is Venetus, the light half is Ventus. Unfortunately, when that happened, uh, they didn't fight because Ventus immediately fell into a coma. Okay. And so Xehanort took him, was like, well, the kid's going to die. I might as well take him somewhere peaceful. So Xehanort takes him to his home world, which just so happens to be Destiny Islands. And he leaves him on the beach being like, this is a good place to die. You know, just so happens at that moment that Ventus's fractured heart sort of melds with a newborn heart, which is Sora. 
and that allows him to wake up again. So Xehanort takes him to Ericus and is like, hey, train this kid. I, I don't need him anymore. With the idea that eventually Ventus will become strong enough to fight Venetus. Venetus is also the source of the Unversed, because as a being of pure darkness, he doesn't have a way to, like, process emotion. So he just cuts it off of him, and it becomes its own, like, little creature. Okay. Okay. Xehanort's plan is to lure Ventus to the Keyblade Graveyard, which is, like, where the last, like, Kingdom Heart, where the last time Kingdom Hearts appeared, where all the Keyblade wielders fought and died. And lure him there, so he will fight Venetus, create the X-Blade, reveal the way to Kingdom Hearts, reboot the universe again. Ventus and Terra meet up and sort of swap information. Uh, They go back to the land of departure. Ericus has, like, gone wise to Xehanort's plan, is like, I gotta put the kid down. I'm not letting I'm not letting Xehanort get the X Blade. Uh, Terra stops Ericus and kills him, kind of by accident, but he still kills him. Right. Okay. And the two of them decide to go after Xehanort and stop his plans. Aqua's story is that she chases after the other two and cleans up their messes. Okay. So everybody convenes at the Keyblade Graveyard. You know, it's Terra, Aqua, and Ventus up against Xehanort, Master Xehanort, Brag, and Ven- and Venetus. Terra goes after Xehanort, Aqua goes after Brag, Ventus and Venetus fight. And unfortunately, them fighting actually does create the X-Blade. But it's sort of like, it's sort of unstable because the two of them are still fighting within themselves. Venetus takes over Ventus's body because he is still like technically stronger. And he and Aqua have a fight. Of course. Meanwhile, Xehanort and Terra are fighting. Terra kind of gets the leg up, but uh, the sudden summoning of Kingdom Hearts like distracts him long enough for Xehanort to do his master stroke, which is uh, discard his, his tired old body and put his heart in Terra. He has been grooming Terra this entire time to become a vessel for him. Don't like that word in that context. <laughs> in any context. Unfortunately, the uh, measure kind of, like, he succeeds. He takes over Terra's body, but he also just completely falls unconscious and is swept away. Okay. Uh, Aqua and Mickey team up. Mickey's still an apprentice in this time. Team up and manage to fight off Venetus slash Ventus. Meanwhile, inside Ventus's heart, he deci- Ventus decides to go scorched earth and just destroy his own heart. Okay. In order to stop Venetus from hurting his friends. So he, Venetus, like, sort of dissipates, and Ventus once again falls comatose. And the okay. X Blade vanishes, the Kingdom Heart, the way to Kingdom Hearts closes. Okay. Aqua takes Ventus back to the land of departure and says, she doesn't know what happened to Terra, but she's like, I need to go find him. And she leaves Ventus at the heart of the land of departure and then uses, because she's a Keyblade Master, she has this new power where she can lock a world and stop anyone from getting in or, like, navigating it properly. And so she locks the land of departure. It becomes Castle Oblivion. Ah, I know that word. <laughs> yeah. See, it's all, it's all coming together. Like a... <laughs> it, all, it all comes back. She returns to Radiant Garden, where Terra Nort is. We'll call him that now. Okay. For a second there, I thought you were being for real, and I would have believed it. That wouldn't have helped. They have a fight, during which Aqua wins, and Terra Nort begins slipping into the Realm of Darkness. Aqua goes after him. She only has enough strength to save one of them. She picks to save Terra because she doesn't know that he's been body-swapped. So she falls into the Realm of Darkness. The way closes. 
Okay. Uh, Terranort wakes up seemingly with amnesia, and he's found by the ruler of Radiant Garden, Ansem the Wise. And Ansem the Wise is like, I'll take you on as, a pr- as an apprentice. Uh, what's your name? And he answers Xehanort. Okay. Play Simple and Clean Remix. That's Birth by Sleep. Okay. For some reason, I found that one a little more easy to follow. It's just, it's a lot of people say it's it, it, it's quite literally Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. You gotta understand, Tetsuya Nomura, who wrote these games, is a huge Star Wars fan. That contextualizes a lot, actually. I don't want to waste my questions. Okay. We're gonna move on to 358 Over Two Days. This was released exclusive to the DS, the original DS, but was remade as a three-hour movie as part of the collections. Wait, I don't want to ask that as a question. I did not know there was a movie version. <laughs> yeah. Three Days and Coded were remade as movies for the collections. Okay. All right. This is kind of a midquel. It's about Roxas's time in the organization from like his quote unquote birth to his final days before he is captured. Okay. We see like what he did for the organization, how they kind of kept him in the dark about a lot of their operations, how he became friends with Axel. Uh, we also learned that the organization had a secret 14th member named Gion. Ooh. And Gion becomes immediate friends with Axel, while uh, not Axel, with Roxas, while Axel is away doing the events of Chain of Memories. And then they sort of become a trio of friends. They be- the, the fandom calls them the Sea Salt Trio. Right, right. Sea Salt Ice Cream. Yes. And so for an explanation of what Gion is, she was kind of like the true intent of the Castle Oblivion team's research before Marluxia went rogue. She okay. is a replica made exclusively of Sora's memories of Kyrie. But she's she's kind of imperfect, and she leeches the memories of those she spends time with. So to everyone, Jian looks different. For a while, Axel only saw her as like literally this blank face puppet. Ugh. When Zigbar looks at Jian, he sees Ventus. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So when Jian is hanging out with Roxas because they're technically like quote unquote the same person. They're kind of feeding off each other's energies. The problem is, is that Gion's taking too much from uh, Roxas and he's starting to die. Uh, Gion is like, uh, meets up with Riku and Namine. Again, this takes place in the year between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Okay. And they kind of explain what's going on and like bring her over to their side. They're like, we need Sora to wake up. So you and Roxas need to merge because one of you has to die effectively. And Gion knows that Roxas would never like willfully kill her. So she like goes like evil mode and attacks him now as you do yeah and he fights her and wins the tragedy is is that because of like Xion's existence she's literally she doesn't have an original body like all the nobodies she's just a being made of memories so that when she dies everyone forgets she existed oh so she gives roxas her keyblade and is like hey destroy the fake kingdom hearts the organization is building That's my last request as your friend while you still remember who I am. Okay. And so Roxas attempts to do so. He leaves the organization. He has a fight with Axel. He goes to the world that never was prepared to do it. And then Riku intercepts him, beats him down, and stuffs him in the Matrix Twilight Town. Okay. Play Sanctuary by Utada. That's Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. And you and I. And that's three hour movie. Yep. Okay. Okay. That, that one was easier. Do you have any questions? That No, because that one was actually easier. I'm surprised at how quick this is clipping along. Um, that's the best we can hope for. Knock on wood. D- don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we won't need the uh, the final mixed version. All right. Oh, Kingdom no. Hearts 
coded or re this was originally released for blackberry phones was remade as a <laughs> ds game remade as a uh three hour movie blackberry phones <laughs> i'm gonna be real with you uh kingdom hearts coded is unnecessary comp unnecessarily complicated i'm not going to touch on a lot of the weird shit that happens in it oh but i want to know ultimately the story is incredibly straightforward i'm going to start burping a lot now because i've been talking a lot um <laughs> all right i'm ready Taking place after kingdom hearts 2 mickey donald and goofy are chill out in disney castle uh they just have a few unanswered questions namely jiminy cricket's journal of the first game is entirely blank Save for the last page, which says, thank nominee. Ooh. And they're like, you know, why, why is it blank? We remember what happened in Kingdom Hearts 1, but the journal is blank. So what they do is they get Chip and Dale, who are the, who are the court scientists. Right. To scan the journal and create a digital reconstruction, a data world of the events of Kingdom Hearts 1. And they're like, we're going to go watch this play out and see like what happens but like the the datascape is full of bugs maleficent shows up uh and attacks them and things other things happen but more or less it's there is a data reconstruction of Namine that she put in the journal because she's no longer around she merged with Kyrie in kingdom hearts 2 okay this is her lingering will okay point of phrase um, and she's like, hey, when I was doing, like, the work on Sora, putting him back together, I found, like, a lot of memories that aren't his. Like, memories belonging to this kid named Ventus, memories to this kid named Roxas, memories to this girl named Gion. And I don't think Sora is prepared to deal with all their collective traumas. So oh. this was, like, my, my 5D chest to test a version of Sora and see if he's ready to deal with, like, the collective grief of those Okay. <laughs> Sure. Uh, Mickey finally learns what happens to his friends from Birth by Sleep. He's like, oh, Aqua's been in hell this whole time? Oh, I should have done something about that. <laughs> um, and they meet up with Yen Sid. Yen Sid drops the, the bomb of the century where he says, like, hey, when a person's nobody and their heartless are destroyed, they reconvene into the original person. So Master Xehanort is coming back, and we need to be ready. Fetch me Riku and uh, Sora. It's time they took their Mark of Mastery exam. That feels antithetical to what I yes. was expecting. Play Sanctuary by Utada. That's Kingdom Hearts Coded. And you and I... That's it? <laughs> yeah. Blackberries were always robbed. <laughs> okay. Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. This is where it gets complicated. Oh, no. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, do you have any questions about Kingdom Hearts Coded? <laughs> no, there wasn't much since you apparently cut out all the confusing stuff. Yeah. Who knew? That made it way easier to... <laughs> way more palatable. Coded is only confusing in of itself, not within its context. That's the best <laughs> way to put it. Fair. All right. Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. Okay, this was released for the 3DS, remade as part of the 2.8 collection for the PS4, and okay. re-released for the PS5. Okay. The, no three-hour movie. Uh, no, no, this one got a full remake. Oh, shit. Sora and Riku do their Mark of Mastery exam. It's way more complicated than Terra and Aqua's were. Uh, Yen said sends them into the sleeping worlds. These are worlds sort of like stuck in purgatory. They're worlds that fell to darkness and for whatever reason haven't reemerged. Okay. So they're all sort of like just locked in time from when they fell. And so Yen said's like, go into these sleeping worlds and wake them up. That's your task. This is the one that has Hunchback Notre Dame and Tron Legacy, and I think that's weird. 
That is. That is! Along the way, Sora and Riku are separated, and they encounter these beings called Dream Eaters, which are beings that exist purely with, within the sleeping worlds. There are, there are friendly dreams called spirits, and antagonistic dreams called nightmares. Those are the enemies for the game. So along mm, okay. the way... <sighs> Let me just double-check my notes here to make sure I do this in right order. Okay. Along the way... They encounter Ooh. a young version of Master Xehanort. Along, they also encounter Xemnas okay. and Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. Now, again, Seeker of Darkness is not Ansem the Wise. That's the 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 one that replaced. That was the apprentice that replaced him, who was also Xehanort. Now, for some reason, they never give this guy a different name. They always still call okay. him Ansem, because <laughs> that's what he answers to. So, for all intents and purposes, when I say Seeker of Darkness, I mean the villain from Kingdom okay. Hearts 1. Okay, okay. Um, and they're, they're, they're around, uh, despite, you know, very verifiably being destroyed. And the young Xehanort explains the true plan, because to summon the X-Blade, you need seven warriors of light, 13 warriors of darkness to fight. Um, and so Xehanort's right. plan, he's no longer doing half measures. Instead, he's going to build his true organization okay. of 13 warriors. But since the theme of the games is friendship, the only person Xehanort trusts is himself. So the true organization is made up of versions of him plucked from time. So Xemnas is a version of him. Okay. Seeker of Darkness is a version of him. Young Self is a version of him. And then the actual intent of the Organization 13 was to sort of prepare 13 vessels for his heart. Like, the whole thing about giving them back their real bodies, that was bogus. Okay. Yeah. So, so Horcruxes. It, essentially. Or if you watch Naruto, it's just the path of pain. Um, okay. So, of this true organization, let me see if I can do this. We have Master Xehanort, Xemnas, Ansem Seeker of Darkness, Young Xehanort, from when he was training as a Keyblade Master. Of course. We have Sykes from the uh, previous organization. We have Marluxia, Larxene. We have Zigbar again, because he's already half Xehanort. Haha, -ha, memes. Fuck. El oh, yeah, Terranort. Riku from that brief <laughs> period where he was possessed by Ansem. Okay. Geon, Luxord. And then they don't have a 13th right now, but they plan to turn Sora into it. So they hijacked the whole uh, Mark of Mastery exam and have been willfully like exposing Sora to the uh, trauma buried within him with the idea that he will eventually fall for dark fall to darkness when confronted by the shared pain of Ventus, Roxas, and Geon. Huh. Okay. Meanwhile, most of the other organization members that Sora took out, because he also took out their Heartless, they've reappeared as people. So Axel slash Lee, that's his real name, but he just goes by Axel for the rest of the games, teams up with Mickey and they jump into the sleeping worlds to stop the, organ the true organization from messing with Sora and Riku. Axel has a keyblade now. I don't know where he got it, but he has one now. Okay. Sure. Okay. Just checking my notes. Yep. So they managed to free Sora and Riku from the darkness, but Sora's still a little comatose. Uh, Riku dives into his heart and sort of uh, removes any clutches that the true organization was building into him. A little comatose. Sora wakes up. He celebrates his birthday. He's 15 now. Oh, no, no. He's 16 now. And he's still Haley Joel Osment. And he's still Haley Joel Osment. Um, Yen Sid names Riku a master, but since Sora, like, technically fucked up, 
uh, he's not a master. And Yen Sid's like, we need to consolidate our forces. Xehanort's already got his 13 warriors. We don't even have our seven yet. We need to find out what happened to Terra, Ventus, and Aqua. So... Okay. Riku and Mickey are going to go to the Realm of Darkness, find Aqua, and rescue her, see what she knows. Sora is going to go study the power of waking, which will, which is what he was meant to learn here, but he didn't. Axel and Kairi are going to go to a pocket dimension and train how to be Keyblade wielders by Merlin the Wizard from Sword in the Stone. Okay. And that's it. That's that's team break. Roll um, orchestral version of Sanctuary by Utada. That's Dream Drop Distance. Now I have the opposite problem, where now I'm just too discombobulated to have a question. (laughs) Again, it's 13 games. Like, yeah, of course it's complicated. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm just just here for vibes. So far, what I'm getting is a story of friendship. Yeah. And of growing and of of platonic love Mm -hmm. and overcoming your trauma. Regular, Regular shonen things. Okay. Kingdom Hearts I'm ready. Kingdom Hearts Unchained X. It's actually Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key, but we've been over this. This is where I am less familiar with this names. This is the phone gotcha game. And since and since it is a phone gotcha game, um I'm going to uh undermine what I said earlier. I have not played this one. I have only watched the cutscenes because I don't have the time or money for a phone gotcha game. So not only have you not played it three times, you've not played it once. I've watched the the cutscenes lots of times and read the synopsis lots of times. <laughs> um, oh, it was also remade as a movie for the 2.8 collection. Three hours? I think it's only like 90 minutes. <laughs> okay. Unchained X. This is set in the way before times, what they call the la- the time of fairy tales. This is before the Keyblade War. And this, okay. and here we have the Master of Masters, the first Keyblade wielder, the dude that forged the X-Blade. Walt Disney. He has right. six apprentices called the Foretellers. They are... That's an, those are even numbers. Yes. They are Ased, Ira, Envy, Gula, Ava, and Lushu. If you know Latin, you may know that that is like, all those names are kind of like one part off the seven deadly sins. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm not worrying about it. So, the Master of Masters gives them each something called the Book of Prophecies cuz he can see the future. And he's like, "I'm going to I'm going to be gone, and I'm going to give you each a special assignment. Now, you guys can't actually stop the coming like Keyblade War, but what you're going to do is gather up uh vessels of light, like like light made manifest called Lux. And if you have enough of that concentrated, it will guarantee some people will survive the reboot of the universe that comes when Kingdom Hearts appears. Okay. And so you, the player, we're going to refer to as the player because it's the same character, but you are the player. Pick one, one of these four tellers to study under, effectively. And you go out on various missions, uh, various Disney misadventures. Now, the only one who doesn't have a uh, union is Lushu. And that's because he was given like a secret double assignment by the master of masters. And that's, he was given a special keyblade that has the master's eye embedded into it. And as long as Lushu survives the keyblade war and passes that keyblade down and that, 
it gets passed down and passed down, the master can see everything that will outlive him. That's how he can see the future. Okay. Just as a point of order, that keyblade is also Master Xehanort's keyblade. Okay. I feel like that's supposed to mean something. I feel like that was supposed to make something click. He also, um, nope, it's just something you're you're supposed to notice when he whips it out. Um, he also gives Lucian okay. <laughs> this big ass like trunk case. It's like, hey, this is a special box. I'm not going to tell you what's inside it, but you need to go hide it somewhere that you'll be able to find it again. And Lucian's okay. like, okay. And he and the master just vanish, and all the foretellers are left to themselves. The issue is, is that it becomes a apparent that one like someone in their unions is actually like starting to tap into darkness and the issue is is that this incident isn't in the book of prophecies and so it seems like there's a traitor amongst them and they start like like boundary lines start getting drawn like no one starts to trust each other the foretellers are preparing for basically a big-ass civil war the only one who isn't is the foreteller ava who is whose assignment from the master was to select uh, Keyblade wielders, regardless of union, and put them into a program called the Dandelions. And the Dandelions' job is actually to live off that light energy they're collecting and survive into the next world. Okay. Members of these Dandelions are two kids named Skuld and Ephemer, who become friends with the player. Okay. While on a hill thinking about the future, Ava is confronted by Lushu. She asks him if he's the traitor. Um, Because, you know, he's been kind of, like, gone this entire time, and it fits. He's like, no, I know who the traitor is, but I'm not going to tell you. And they have a fight, and their clash, like, signals the start of the Keyblade War. Everybody's fighting, player gets their ass kicked, but they're saved at the last minute by Skuld and Ephemer, who induct them into the Dandelions. As uh, As the prophecy goes, the clash summons Kingdom Hearts, reboots the universe. But the player in the Dandelion survive. Okay. That's, um, I don't know what song this ends with. I think it's Orchestral Simple and Clean by Utada, but that's Kingdom Hearts Unchained X. Okay. Any questions? No. M- more has More has been unchained, certainly. <laughs> I'm going to be really, a lot of the stuff in the phone games is seemingly only set up for, like, things that come after Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. That, yeah, that, that's definitely a vibe I'm getting. Okay. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Final Chapter Prologue. This is part, this was released as part of the 2.8 collection with the Unchained movie and the Dream Drop remake. It's effectively just a tech demo for what Kingdom Hearts 3 may look like. Uh, in it, it's okay. a short adventure of Aqua in the realm of darkness during the events of Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh, she meets up with Mickey again, and that's it. Okay. Uh, the biggest thing this explains is why Mickey does not have a shirt at the king- end of Kingdom Hearts 1. We all wanted to know. All right. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm ready. Less is going to happen in this than you think, at least for the most part. <laughs> Oh, so great. I've already established where everybody's going and doing what Sora has to learn the pow- this nebulous power of waking. So he goes to various Disney worlds trying to figure it out. He has various encounters with uh, the true organization and what they're up to. Riku pieces together that the members of the organization who aren't Xehanort originally are using replicas. So like the Marluxia they have, the uh, Sykes they have, those are replicas made of like those people's memories because a weird rule with kingdom hearts is that you can't oh your body cannot travel in time only your heart okay okay 
genuinely don't worry about it. They ignore this rule so many times. All right. <laughs> then I just won't worry about and it. And Riku's like, hey, if we get some of those replicas, we could bring back Naminé and Roxas. Okay, yeah. Sora... Uh, has to go rescue Riku and Mickey's ass because they uh, find Aqua, but Aqua's just completely fallen to the darkness, and she she's kicking their ass. Sora comes in, rescues them. He brings Aqua back to the light. She takes them to Castle Oblivion, turns it back into the land of departure, wakes up Ventus. Okay. So we've got uh, seven-ish Keyblade wielders of light. We got Sora, we got Riku, we got Aqua, Ventus, Mickey, Kyrie, and Axel. Okay. So they're like, all right, it's time to go to the Keyblade graveyard. We don't know where Terra is. Maybe we'll run into him because <laughs> they haven't put two and two together. Yeah. Um, they go to the Keyblade graveyard, find out Terra is their 13th member, and they get their ass completely beat. They lose. And uh, as the okay. prophecy tells, uh, light, darkness prevails, the light expires. Sora wakes up in the final world, which is kind of like the like purgatory. It's a land of endless sea and sky. And there he uh, manages to figure out the power of waking, which is effectively just like resurrection. And he uses this on the gang, the other Keyblade wielders, waking them up and bringing them back to life so they can go round two with the, the 13 darknesses. Okay. They fight. The gang is able to take out pretty much all of the true organization, but Xehanort kills Kairi. Master Xehanort kills Kairi. Okay. And okay. with her death, he met, it's like the final piece, and it summons the X-Blade, which he uses to open Kingdom Hearts. He and Sora have a fight, and Sora manages to beat him, take the X-Blade from him, uh, during which Xehanort gets like his five minutes of repentance. But he willfully goes into that good night. Along the way, okay. Riku's plan goes through, Naminé comes back, Roxas comes back. They're able to free Terra from Xehanort's control. So everybody's good, everybody's happy. Um, I didn't really mention this because it, 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 it kind of doesn't matter, but uh, Sykes and Axel used to be friends before they were nobodies. So he has a oh. redemption. And he's now he's now in with oh. the group. He's in with the friend group. But I have a feeling that Kyrie's not dead forever. They also redeem uh, Xion. She she was working with the true organization, but uh, she's able to come back and people remember her. So everybody's friends, everybody's happy, except Kairi's dead. And Sora's like, I'm going to use the power of waking again. Bring her back. Because she's not going to be dead forever. This leads into the events of the DLC Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. Okay. Uh, it's kind of just a redux of the finale, except uh, Sora's kind of like, in interjecting himself at certain points and making things work out better. Okay, so it's just like time turner shit from Harry Potter. Exactly, exactly. He's able to rescue Kyrie before she's uh, killed. See, what did I say? And bring her back to the present. Not dead. The issue is, is that in the game's own words, Sora broke a nature taboo. What? <laughs> by using the power of waking too many times in like, like too close a frequency. I... I guess, yeah, because you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to fuck with stuff. Yeah, so he put too much of himself in it, and he just fades away. Sora fucking dies. Well, okay. But I'm assuming not forever. Q, um, it's not let me face my fears, because Kingdom Hearts has three. I'm deer in the headlights mode now. It's, how did I ever live in a kingdom of thieves? I want you for a lifetime. What the hell is it? What's the other song in Kingdom Hearts 3? What's the credits song? <laughs> oh my god, this is going to drive me crazy. 
I, I was doing so good. You, you can Google it. You can Google it. It's okay. No one will think any less of you. Don't Think Twice. Q Don't Think Twice by Utada and Skrillex. I want you for a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was a jump scare of a name. I want to point this out real quick. No, Skrillex is a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. Well, you know yes, why? that makes sense. I mean... Because his name is an anagram of killers with X in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's that's Kingdom Hearts 3. Any questions? And that's it, right? No, but we'll get to that at the end. Oh, shit. Okay. There's some additional stuff, but it's mostly conspiracy theory for Kingdom oh, Hearts 4. Oh, it's like the math isn't mathing. Well, no, we, we have more games, if that's what you're wondering. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, see, that's what I was saying. It's like, oh, and then it's Kingdom Hearts 3, and that just came out, so that's the last one. No. So oh. any questions before we move on? You have five oh, questions. <laughs> How many more games? We have three. You know, I still feel like most of my questions are still just world-building based, incredibly enough. And it's all okay. just stupid shit, I can assure you now. I can't believe I forgot this. Okay, Kingdom Hearts 3 <laughs> post-credits. Oh shit! In the Keyblade Graveyard, after everything is done, out of the mist come four of the foretellers. They have been right. re okay. reborn. They're back. Um, the only one who's not there is Ava and Lushu, and they're walking through the wreckage, trying to figure out what's going on, and they come across Zigbar, who has an eye patch and likes to say as if. Right. And Zigbar says that actually he is Lushu, and that he took over this guy's body a while ago and has just been kind of keeping tabs on things for the master. Okay. So Xehanort's keyblade is actually his keyblade, and that was his goal all along. They uh, He's also got the big black box. They ask him what's in the box, and he says, I'll tell you, cut to black. Of course, because of course they do. Okay. Any questions about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to Kingdom Hearts Union Cross. This is the sequel to Unchained X. It is another mobile phone gotcha game. There's so much lore in these. Yes. I'm trying to figure out how you put lore into a gotcha game. Okay. So this follows the Dandelions, and they're in what is called the Lifeboat, which is a it, our third digital matrix reconstruction. And it's a Hitchcock movie. Yes. So the whole thing with the with the Lifeboat and the Dandelions right now is they don't know if the world is inhab like outside is inhabitable yet, because their machines that like monitor that have been destroyed. Because like matrix stuff. Yeah, so they're just kind of stuck there. Um, they do have instructions from Ava. She picked out five of these Keyblade wielders to be the new union leaders. Okay. Okay. They are Scold and Ephemer, who we already touched on. Lorium, who is Marluxia's original body. Okay. Brain. His name is Brain. Brain. Not Brian. Brain. And Ventus. And Ventus. Okay. And Ventus. All right, you digest that and Ventus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And they're like, all right, we, we don't know if the world outside is habitable, but just in case, let's start like exploring this datascape, see what we can learn, just kind of kill time for a bit. R right, now, it's, it's 10 Cloverfield Lane. Now, Brain actually has a book of prophecies. It's Ava's book of prophecies. It was given to him. Okay. And he's looking in that and like, hey... It mentions that this girl named Strelitzia is supposed to be a union leader. Strelitzia. Okay. And they, it's Strelitzia is Lorium's younger sister. 
Okay. And we, the player, learn that she was just actually genuinely fucking murdered. Okay. So one of the union leaders is a fake. They're an imposter. Ooh, the drama. And so they've got to figure out who the fake one is. Okay. Turns out it was Ventus. Really? Yeah. Okay. So here's where we're going to get an explanation and set up for the next phase of Kingdom Hearts. In a flashback, we see the Master of Masters explaining to Lu Shu the reason he forged the original X-Blade was to fight this being known as Darkness. Like, the darkness. Like, yeah, like, the devil. The, the opposite. <laughs> if you want to think of it that way. The opposite of light. <laughs> yes, and he was able, he wasn't able to kill darkness, but he was able to split it into 13 true darknesses. And he has been sort of machinating for a while to uh, find ways to destroy them, because it turns out when those true darknesses take over someone... Uh, and you kill that person, it destroys the true darkness. So, actually, the Master of Masters was, like, in a way, the traitor. Because he set up everything in Unchained Axe to intentionally make it that the uh, foretellers would fight each other and inhabit the true darknesses. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, now the true darknesses have, like, some of them have survived into the lifeboat, and one of them has possessed Ventus. Okay. And that's why he killed that girl. Okay. He sort of locks it away inside him. That true darkness eventually becomes Vanitas. Okay. Unfortunately, with the true darknesses appearing, it triggers a failsafe in the lifeboat to sort of delete everything. Sure. As a failsafe. Obviously. There are three other true darknesses there. The player holds them off while everyone else um, gets to, like, their their wake-up pods. And it sort of shotguns them all at different places and different points in time. Okay. Um, but the player stays behind in the and gets, like, deleted. And while they are, like, in purgatory, they are asked by a mysterious voice, hey, do you want to, like, wait here and see if your friends can eventually rescue you, or do you just want to, like, be reincarnated? And the player chooses reincarnation. Would you like to guess who the player reincarnates as? <laughs> I'm not confident. Go ahead and tell me. The player is Xehanort. Okay. No, no, that track. Okay, yeah. So, Scold and Ephemer, we don't know where they wound up. Ventus is launched right into the Keyblade graveyard, comatose, for the fourth time. Well, the first time chronologically, but, you know. Right, right, but, you know, um, got a track record. Brain, just before he's able to get in his pod, he is attacked by Lushu, who takes his body. Okay. Um, and Brain wakes up in this place called Scala Ad Kylum, which is a city founded by Ephemer and okay. where young Keyblade wielders are trained. So that's kind of where Ephemer wound up. He wound up earlier in the timeline, founded this city, and is revered as a great hero. We don't know where Skuld wound up. That's that's Union Cross. <laughs> Roll Dearly Beloved Orchestral Version by Yoko Shimomura. That sure is... <laughs> How do, how do you, I'm wondering, I'm curious what the re, the general reception is to the overall lore by this point. So, it's kind of like, because these phone games are, like, people don't want to play them. <laughs> yeah. So there are the, and also they have dick all to do with the story of Sora and his friends. Like, it's Which tangential. Is like, why we're Ventus here. is there. Ventus is there, but it's confusing that Ventus is there. 
Um, so there are people, but the stories of the phone games are like, well, Unchained X, not really, but that was like more experimental. Uh, this one and the next one we'll talk about. People have really gotten into the characters of those because it's kind of like a mystery and it's another sort of like friend group, but a very different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, I can And see so that. people really glom onto this part of the franchise while ignoring the majority part of it. And then the reverse happens. Just cherry pick the things you like. Yeah. Okay. I can get into that. Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. This is the last like full-ish game. That sounds like a rhythm game. It is a rhythm game. <laughs> Released for all systems, I think only like four years ago. Oh, that's recent. A year has passed since Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, which okay. means it has been four years total since the events of Kingdom Hearts 1, meaning Riku is now legal in all 50 states. Mm. <laughs> now, they're trying to figure out where Sora went to okay. when he just vanished, he just peaced out, and Kairi has, like, an idea. Since she and Sora were, like, so connected, maybe there's, like, traces of him within herself. Also, she still doesn't remember where she came from. Like, we, the players, know, because we can do yeah. math. <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't know. Okay. So they kind of put her in a trance state where she will relive all of her memories, all of Sora's memories, and sort of, like, get some intel. Helpful. Uh, this is just an excuse to do a rhythm game with all the tracks in the franchise. Simple and clean. So Kairi realizes that she came from Radiant Garden, and she was captured by the apprentice Xehanort because he needed her as a princess of heart. But she managed to escape and was uh, shotgunned to Destiny Islands, where she wound up. Okay. She also figures out that Sora may have gone somewhere beyond the final world, whatever that may be. Now, it just so happens that Cinderella's fairy godmother is just like, oh, yeah, I know how to get there. I know how to get to Purgatory. She takes Kairi and Riku to the final world. And there they encounter a, a unnamed spirit that Sora had, like, encountered in Kingdom Hearts 3 when he was there and sort of consoled. And that spirit is like, well, um, I think I know where your friend went. He wound up in this place called Quadratum. Uh, quadratum is Latin for built on squares. Don't worry about ah, it. Ah, okay. And Riku's like, okay, I will go to Quadratum. Kairi, you stay behind and train. <laughs> okay. Because uh, Nomura doesn't know how to write women. That's the feeling I've been getting. She sticks behind and trains with Aqua. But Riku's like, I'll go ahead to Quadratum. And... Roll Dearly Beloved Swing Version by Yoko Shimomura. That's Melody of Memory. That's it? Yeah. Okay. It's just a rhythm game. <laughs> I don't know. It's what... just... They have more lore in the gacha games. Yeah. Okay. Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. This one just wrapped up. It is another gacha game. This is Xehanort's origin story. Oh, so yeah, there's a lot of lore in here. So, Xehanort... In theory. Xehanort is a student alongside Ericus in Scala Ad Kylum, which is like Hogwarts for Keyblade wielders. I remember seeing that in your outline and being very intrigued. Yes, so they are taught by Master Odin. Okay. There is actually... Like, Odin. Odin. Uh, you're going to notice a trend with some of these names. This is the only one where I have to look up the names, because I, I have not taken these to heart. <laughs> That's not a good sign. Well, no, it's just because it just, like, the, the full, like, official translation only just oh. came out in 2022. Like, just, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so I have not had as much time with this. Okay, so 
Ericus. His other classmates are Erd, Braggy, Vor, Hermod, and Hermod. Vor. Yes, these are all Norse names, you may have noticed. It's V-O-R, there's no E. A future episode, perhaps. They're all students under Master Odin. And Odin is like, hey, there were seven students that I needed, that were going to take their Mark of Mastery exam. They've gone missing. I need you guys to go find them. This is going to be your lesson. So they have various misadventures on the Disney Worlds. They encounter uh, upperclassmen Balder, Vidar, Vala, Vali. I was wrong. There's only four upperclassmen, not seven. And what these kids have done is that they have learned about the 13 true darknesses. They've also learned about the seven princesses of heart. And they're like, hey, what if we kidnap the seven princesses and use them as a weapon to destroy the 13 darknesses? Just teenager things. Xehanort and his classmates are like, that's not Gucci. Uh, you guys need to come home. And so they fight them, they beat them, they bring them back. The issue is, is that Balder, one of the uh, classmates, his sister died on the adventure. And uh, that allowed him to be taken by one of the true darknesses. Uh, and so he goes sicko mode and kills everybody. Like, actual genuine murder. <laughs> that was my question. Actual genuine murder. Okay. The only ones who don't die are Ericus, Xehanort, Bragi, and Odin. And the four of them are able to uh, stop Balder, and Xehanort lands the final blow, killing him, which also destroys the true darkness. And Odin's like, I allowed this to happen on my watch. So many kids are dead. I'm gonna retire. Ericus and Xehanort, I want you guys to be the new teachers and take my place. And Ericus is all about it. He accepts. Xehanort says, nah, mate, I'm going to go find myself and explore the worlds a bit. Okay. The other surviving class member, uh, Bragi, uh, he has a little sparring match with Xehanort, during which he says, you think you'll finally beat me as if. <laughs> revealing that he is also Lushu. <sighs> I love that that's supposed to be how we figure it out. And he's like, Xehanort, I like the cut of your jib. I'm going to be watching your career with great interest. So Xehanort goes out and explores the worlds, comes to the conclusions he comes to, and he also meets the Master of Masters. And the Master of Masters kind of says some cryptic stuff to him. He says, I am going to disappear and find some place, neither in this world or any other. He also, like, says some other cryptic stuff that sort of awakens Xehanort's... I guess this is where I should have explained this. Okay. <laughs> Xehanort was technically already trained by himself. Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, when he was created as a Heartless, he shotgunned himself back in time to when he was a child, when Xehanort was a child, and told him the whole plan. Right. Okay. And sort of tutored him on how to use darkness, yada yada. The issue is, is that... When you... Time travel's so unnecessarily complicated in Kingdom Hearts, and this is why Dream Drop is the worst <laughs> one. Basically, Xehanort, it's imprinted on his heart, but not kept in his mind, is the words they're said. Basically, Xehanort is his own Manchurian candidate. I was going to say, that's how you worded it in the outline, and it's been weighing on me. So, at this moment, when he talks to the Master of Masters, it's his sort of, like, programming wakes up, and he sets down his path. Um... Mm -hmm. And there in the Keyblade graveyard, he comes across a comatose Ventus. Fucking Xehanort sleeper agent. Yeah. Uh, so that's Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. Do you feel that you are better equipped to understand Kingdom Hearts fans and what they mean when they say things? I think the thing that would make me feel the most resolute is... What do you, as the representative Kingdom Hearts fan, 
What do you get out of the series as a whole? Is it the shonen of it all? No, I I think it's a sort of intense 2000 sincerity that you just kind of had to be there for. Because, like, I genuinely think that it is probably, like, next to impossible to get into the franchise as, like, an older, cynical adult. Because you gotta be able to play that first game and just, like, see Sora say things like, like, that must be Gorilla for Heart in the Tarzan world. And, like, take that as completely <laughs> bald face value with no irony. Oh, I forgot about that. Which is what I did as a child. And yeah. it's, like... You need to be able to digest that and swallow that. And yeah. if you are able to get through that, what you get is like a very uh, kind of like dramatic story about like what it means to be a person, what it means to grow up into a per- into who you will be. Like friends will leave you, like uh, people will become different and things like that. Um, I think like the best quote in the entire franchise comes in Dream Drop Distance, the worst game. Where it's a character says, by ourselves, we are no one. It's only when someone looks at us and sees someone, that is when we start to exist. Okay. Okay. And I see what you mean about, like, it's so of its time and it had to be a certain a certain demographic in a certain time mm-hmm. to, really, to really grow the franchise. Because, like, when you look at the designs of, like, 2010's JRPGs... It's so, it's so singular. Yeah. We got 20 belts. We got guns being other things. <laughs> other so things that's, being that's guns. that's literally all Nomura. Right. And that, and that is, and that's, and that's so, it's such an identifier, I feel mm-hmm. like, when you look at it visually. And so when you see Kingdom Hearts, it's such a complete package of aesthetic. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I can totally see that. And I think, like, you know, some of the games just came out at the right time. Like, I think of 358 over two days as, like, genuinely, it's like a high school game. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, Roxas is in this, like, community. He makes friends with, like, an older dude and someone the same age. But, like, they start to drift apart as they, like, learn more about the world and stuff. And, you know, that came out right when I was entering high school. Oh and wow! It just and it just resonated, and that's why that's yeah. why it's my second favorite one, and why I get a little bit of ennui when I see people making fun of the line, "Who will I have mm. ice cream with?" Oh, you know it's it, and yeah, I totally is, get that. It is so incredibly easy to take like things out of context from Kingdom Hearts and clown on it. I I have done it, but yeah, it, I think someone on the Reddit, this Kingdom Hearts Reddit, summed it up best. That we have been in this franchise for 15 years now and have only seen and have seen outsiders make only the same three jokes. Someone it, has a kid named Sora. Sora just you means Sky. Exactly. I'm saying someone. <laughs> someone has a kid named Sora. Yeah. Probably. Someone has a kid named Xehanort. I. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to confront that person. <laughs> If I was shaking hands with someone and they're like, my name's Xehanort, I would, like, start... I That would activate my fight or flight. I would start looking around for, like, things in like my if environment. I met, if I met a kid at work and they were like, my name is X, and I'm like, what's that short for? And they're like, Xehanort. I think I would just leave. 
I think I would have to take a second. I'd have to take a lap. But I do feel like it I do feel like it's that much of a cultural a cultural juggernaut. I'm I am happier like if I was See, it's so hard for me to talk about because I'm so a part of it, but Exactly. I feel like if I was on the outside looking in, Kingdom Hearts is one of those things I would be happier existing in the world because it is so strange and so like of someone's creative vision. Mm-hmm. Then I would be like getting rid of it because haha weeb cringe. And I think that's been a lot of, and that's coming from someone. I'm coming from somewhere where I've had my fair share of, of participating in weeb cringe, mm-hmm. obviously. And this is a lot of how I feel about Final Fantasy as a whole. I've never played any of the games. I, haven't I have never played a Final Fantasy. <laughs> exactly. And so, like, as an outsider to that franchise, I'm like, I'm glad it exists. Actually, that's a lie. Oh, I no. I started playing Final Fantasy 15 <laughs> because I thought it would give me greater context for understanding where we're going with Kingdom Hearts 4. And did it. Yeah. I didn't finish <laughs> it. <laughs> I should. But I, I can definitely... At, I've played the first couple and I just feel like I'm not committed enough to lore, which is yeah. why I have like dived in as much as I have. And like I get people being like... I, Year, before Kingdom Hearts 3, mm-hmm. I was like, I get it's hard to get into because these games are so spread out against different platforms. Like mm-hmm. Birth by Sleep, which Nomura wanted to call Kingdom Hearts Zero because it's that important to the story. That was exclusive okay. to the PSP. And stuff like like Days being on the DS, Coded being on the DS, Chain of Memories being on the GBA. Like it was so hard to get to some of these games. But... I don't feel I feel like people don't have that excuse anymore because those collections, the two the one point five and two point five collection, that sells for like yeah. twenty bucks on the PS4 when there's a sale. Yeah. They're on the Epic store now. You know? So at this They're point so I'm kind now. of like at this you know, I get it's like you want to make easy jokes, but at the same time I'm like, but you can just play the games and I don't think the story is so confusing that simply playing the games won't like clue you into what's important to the story and themes and tones and things, you know? Exactly. And that's what, it's definitely not the lore and it's definitely not the size of like the fandom Mm -hmm. that makes me not play three, you know? Yeah. But literally just playing the three tentpole games, I feel like you get an, you get enough of the story. You know, people are like, three isn't accessible to people that didn't play the side games, the non-numbered games. But three has a whole section in its menu where it summarizes the plot of everything up to that point with, like, a new animation, new voiceover. Right, I remember seeing this. It's like a 15-minute video, and it sums up everything that you yeah. need to know going into the game. Like, it's very, it's very noob-friendly. Yeah, I think it is now. It is noob-friendly now. Probably not when, like, we were building up to Kingdom Hearts 3. I will I will admit that much. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'll say about Dissenters, is that I think a lot of it is still so held over from days of... Seeing guys in Denny's parking lots saying dual-wield. <laughs> yes, but also, like, from the days of, like, Toonami's beginnings you know from the days of like w like wb kids watching like four kids channel yeah pokemon dubs is that for a long time these way more 
these very recognizable properties were still somewhat hard to experience fully. Yeah. And their fandoms were so cut off because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the internet was just a, a smaller place. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that, that change from anime being cringe to anime being cool. Like, it literally took place in my transition from, like, high school to college. Mm-hmm. Just like it was suddenly cool to be a nerd halfway through high school. Yeah. And that was insane to me to watch happen in real time. Well, because the nerds run the entertainment industry now. Exactly. (laughs) I think we were starting to understand this at that time. And a lot of what I do see is just these very conservative beliefs of what traditional media is. Mm. Yeah, what a traditional uh, narrative must be. There can't, you know... Because I think, in a way, Kingdom Hearts is very, like, metatextual, especially with all the conspiracy shit I said going forward. Yeah. Yeah. But and genuinely, I'm totally into that. I think if you just play Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, Birth by Sleep, and then 3, that's all you really need to get a pretty full, likable story. Okay. That's very, that's very manageable. That's very manageable. Yeah, so that's that's me... You know, reading myself, I said it's not that complicated and then doubled back multiple times. But at the end of the day, I do think it's like compared to a lot of other things that are similar to Kingdom Hearts. I do not think Kingdom Hearts is that complicated. No, not at all. Now, for dessert, Murph. Uh Uh-huh. Can can you pitch me a Kingdom Hearts spinoff game? Not a gotcha game. I think I would genuinely, going back to what we said earlier, I would like the actual Kyrie game. <gasps> yes. If they do a game that's about, like, Kyrie training with Aqua. Yes. And they give her, like, a personality and things to do. The girl boss game. Yeah. I would, I would be for that. Oh, that'd be cool. Because people okay. really like, much in the same way people like doing, like, the Mario princesses hanging out. Post-Kingdom Hearts 3, we've gotten a lot of that with, like, Kairi, Namine, and Gion. Right. Hanging out, being, being, just being gals together. Okay. And, like, that, that was the thing, was, like, the Princesses of Light. You have the Disney, like, the Disney princesses. Could they, could they fight, too? Like, that's... <laughs> they can do kind of magic. I've genuinely never understood why Alice is there. But I guess they wanted to justify Alice in Wonderland being a world. I always thought always Sally do. from Nightmare Before Christmas should have been in. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, it always it always was weird to me that they didn't get like their own keyblades and got to fight. They were just there. Oh, it's because just their their specialness is that they're pure good. Yeah, and then in Kingdom Hearts three, there's like there's a new seven princesses of light. Yeah, uh, which is like Rapunzel, Anna, Elsa, and then some other ones who are never brought up. <laughs> It's... No, I love that. I was I was expecting personally a uh light novel. Mm-hmm. Just just actual lore distilled. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a lot of the lore is just explaining why things are certain things. But the actual yeah. story there is a very character driven drama. And I love that. It's just Star Wars. Like yeah, it's just it's just fucking Star Wars. It's Aragon, it's Naruto. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> It's... If you don't clue into that immediately hearing the forces of light and darkness, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's so clear. And that's, um, that's where I think we're going to leave it for today. 
That is incredibly fair. And applause to you, sir. Yes. That was quite the recounting. Quite the tale. I feel like we're at the end of Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh, one last weird thing. So, so <laughs> Le- Leonard, Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy died before. Right. And Leonard Nimoy was, like, retired, but they got him for Birth by Sleep to voice Master Xehanort, and he he had such a, so much fun with it that he was like, I'm retired, but if you guys make a sequel, call me back. Crazy. But he died. Um, and right. so they replaced him in the English version with Rutger Howard. Right. Which does not track to me. And then like Rutger, Rutger Howard, Howard died. Rutger Howard died. So oh, in the that's D- right. And the three DLC, Xehanort is voiced by Christopher Lloyd. I remember this. Okay. And that's just stra- that's that's also just bizarre to me. That definitely doesn't track. That absolutely. Stops I think tracking. it's easier to track Nimoy to Lloyd than it is Howard to Lloyd. <laughs> right. No, I agree. Oh my god. But um, Nomura has said three marks the end of the Seeker of Darkness saga. We are through phase one. <laughs> we are through. And phase he one. wants the next games to come out quicker. He intends we are entering. Them to. Subtweet era. Yes. We are entering Nomura's subtweet era. And I am so excited to see where it goes. I am too now. And much like this podcast, it's probably a bad idea, but we're here for it anyway. He said the thing! (laughs) 